shoot. Pull back, step back, three. Bottom! The handoff. Jones for the tie. Oh, he's fouled! And one! He's still loose. Doherty the heave. Oh, oh my God! Southern Utah. Oh, Southern Utah is going to do something he's never done. What's up, everybody? Another episode of the Strata Whack Podcast coming to you on this Whack Wednesday. As you can see, my guest today, Tar- Tarleton head coach Billy Gillespie. Gillespie, excuse me. Uh, as we t- preview the Tarleton men's basketball team, Billy, appreciate the time. I know it's a busy time of year for you as you get school gets started, you get camp started. How are you doing? How's your summer been? Been busy. You know, it's it's, it's a crazy time in in college sports. It's different. It's uh, I like it. I really do like it, but but uh, it's it's busy. You know, everybody's busy, but especially in this profession, the way it is now, it's a it's a different animal. I wanted to ask you in terms of this the, the profession and recruiting and stuff like that. With when it comes to conference realignment, when it comes to the transfer portal, when it comes to uh, I, I believe the COVID years are kind of starting to weed them weed themselves out. How does that play into like the the added stress of putting putting together a team year in and year out? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. You're exactly right. I mean, that, and, and all of it hit us at the same time. You know, I, there's been a lot of things over the course of all of our careers, especially, uh, you know, so they might have had new recruiting rules come in, but it was one or two rules that were major. And then they would wait two or three years and something else major would come along, you know, even, even back to the day when they started Prop 48s and all those kind of things. They changed the academic requirements and then, the eight and five rule as far you probably don't, you're probably too young to understand that where you could only sign five players in one year and eight over two, a two year period. That's right. When I started to be a head coach, that's a very, very difficult thing to maneuver. And, and, you know, there were, there's been things over the course and there's always going to be change. Uh, but you know, there, the, there would usually be one major change and then a couple of years to adjust to it and then something else and then something else. And I'm not griping about the change. I like it. Uh, some are better than others, obviously, but uh, this time you got the portal, you got NIL, you got COVID, you've got so much stuff going on, as well as many other things going on at the same time. And it's it's been very difficult to navigate it. You know, the COVID thing is is really been really beneficial for all the schools academically because they've been less stringent upon applying any penalties for the APR. The APR is just kind of, you know, kind of been in the background. Uh, since COVID because they gave so many uh, adjustments, waivers, all those kind of things. But but now as those guys are finishing up, now the academics are going to come back into play. And uh, we're lucky because we're always at the top in the, in the APR world. But uh, it, it's gonna really going to have an effect on a lot of people as far as having to graduate their players. And, and they haven't really – a lot of people haven't really been paying that much attention to it because – of the COVID situation. And now we'll start getting penalized again, I would assume, unless another rule change comes about. And and then the NIL, NIL which I love, and then the portal, which I love even more. I, I love I love the portal because I love player movement. I think it's great for the players to have the opportunity to go where and when they want to go. And I think it's great for a person like me. I benefit from being a, a JUCO guy. And so in JUCO, you have a new team every year and that's what it's kind of trending towards unless we have an about face here in the real near future, which may happen uh, because so many 
guys that got into the portal didn't find Division One schools or even Division Two schools. So uh, I think people are starting to realize now what some of the coaches probably had kind of thought might happen before it ever started. So uh, it, it's been interesting. I like movement, though. I hope the portal stays here forever. And and uh, I like NIL. And so and COVID's been fine for us as long as it doesn't come back. So uh, we you, you, ha- you have to adjust. You know, it's sure. a game of adjustment. When you play the game, when you coach the game, you know, there's no standstill parts in our game. Uh, I give the football coaches a hard time all the time because they have a play every 40 seconds and they get to line their guys up everywhere. Our guys never have an opportunity except when there's a, a violation or a foul or something like that for them to stand in one spot and get lined up. We have to do it on the fly. And so that's kind of like coaching basketball. You have to do a lot of things on the fly. The guys that adjust best are the ones that make it. The guys that don't adjust very well, they don't make it. And it's just like players. You mentioned NIL and, and you know, you've been around quite a while in the college basketball ranks. Like you said, you like it. What do you like about it? And is it something you thought that college basketball and college athletics in general was going to get to maybe 10, 15 years ago? Uh, I don't, I don't know if, I, I don't know. I, you know, it probably needed to get to it a long time ago uh, because I think there's been a lot of money made that was never shared with the players or anything like that. And, and I think because uh, of the reluctance of, you know, some leaders, uh, it was, it was hard to ever give them a little bit, you know, to make it easier for the players and so restrictive on, on the rules as far as, you know, even back when I first started, you couldn't, couldn't even feed your team. You couldn't, I mean, you can basically feed them basically anytime you want to now, not anytime, but uh, you know, there's a lot of great change as far as 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 the rules. They've made a lot of great adjustments to the rules and allow uh, more freedom for players, allow more uh, better academic situations, better feeding situations, which leads to better training, which leads to better players, which leads to better teams, which leads to a better product that everyone loves to watch. And, and so, uh, but as far as seeing that uh, the NIL as we know it right now, but uh, I don't think anybody could have predicted it was going to be like that. Now, some teams were already participating in NIL 15 years ago. They just had, didn't know it was called NIL, but, <laughs> but we weren't. And uh, so they might be better at it than we are right now, but uh, we're catching up. we got a great situation right now. We have a great collective, and, and uh, we're gaining steam on that daily. And so we, uh, we're, we're very, very excited what the future holds at NIL at Tarleton. Uh, but, you know, you hear all the horror stories you know, about people uh, having agreements and guys not getting paid and then, you know, guys uh, having a real bad taste in their mouth about the way it went the first year and a half. And so a lot of people are saying we're going to adjust and change and and all that kind of stuff, whether it's a booster who gave money, the collective who's kind of controlling the situation or the coaches. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with it, how it changes and how sustainable it is uh, for the people that are that are doing it the best. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's that's the interesting thing is to, is to see the sustainability going forward, like what's going on. Because you see some kids, there's claims that when they don't get paid, they're off to some other school. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see about that sustainability. I'm glad you brought that up on that. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I mean, I've heard a lot of stories about guys promising, you know, being promised a lot of money and. And it didn't happen. I've also heard about a bunch of guys that gave some money 
and they didn't like the way it went. And so you could kind of see some of that. I mean, it, it's it's difficult when you have outside forces that are inside your program and, and uh, not saying that everyone is not all of them are bad because most of them are good. But but it, it's it's just another decision maker that might have an influence on how things go within your program. The smartest coaches are, are always going to maintain control of their program. They're always going to allow people to help them because, you know, the more help you have, the better off it is. But you have to have the right kind of help. And so uh, it's we're all learning. You know, everybody's learning. And and, uh, you know, the, the people that are going to continue to do it the best, uh, the people that are continuing to give money are the people that probably had success with it at the start. And, and then the people that didn't have success with it at the start will have a harder time. Uh, you know, raising money for that particular thing. And then there's people that have taken money away from the school because they're giving it to their collective now. So sometimes you hear of things where the school's kind of mad at, at the collective because they're taking money that used to go towards the school for scholarships or, or whatever. And so uh, it, it's a it's a difficult situation. But, you know, when you look back at it, our organization probably put us in this situation uh, by not doing enough for the players as as they've been asked to do for a very long time. It's easier to say from a coach's perspective than from an administrator's perspective, because uh, it would be very difficult to know what to do and no matter what role you had. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a very interesting, I guess, change in college athletics for sure. For sure. Speaking of change, uh, it was announced a couple of weeks. What was it last week? Um, you broke ground on a new event center. Uh, it's going to basically 10,000 people, I believe, is going to hold for concerts, Eight thousand, up to 8,000 for basketball games. It's going to be new locker rooms, new training facilities, all of it. Like We saw that they expanded the football stadium, the seating at the football stadium, You know, I believe it was either last year or two years ago. Now the basketball you know, arena event center, is be, ground has been broken. Like – Keeping up with the Joneses at Tarleton right now, like in the Division One area. I mean, this is the fourth year in Division One, and you guys are going to have some of the best facilities, if not the best facilities, in the WAC or in, in yeah, at this level. No, I mean in college basketball. I mean, you you know, uh, you you could limit it to a conference or an area or whatever, but in, I'm talking about in college sports overall. Our, our football deal has been fantastic. The basketball arena is going to be off the charts. It's going to be a game changer, not for only the basketball programs, but it's going to be something special on a campus. I mean, it's right, dab, right smack dab in the middle of campus. And, and uh, it's going to change the school. It's going to change the community. It's going to change the region. And it'll have a major effect in our entire state. Tarleton's always very well thought of. It's the fastest growing school in Texas, public school wise. And, and, and uh, there's so many great things are happening. We talk about football and basketball, but you should see our baseball stadium and our softball stadium and our soccer stadium and the volleyball. I mean, we have one of the best home court advantages in, in all of, of collegiate volleyball. And so what they've done here is they do everything first class and however they're doing it, they're getting it done. And, and sure, it sure does help us. We, uh, it sure does help us in recruiting uh, people uh, kind of know a little bit about Tarleton when we start recruiting them. They know more as we start recruiting them. But when they come to campus, they're blown away. Every since it's been 100% so far, and and uh, just like you're saying, all the facilities, the campus is beautiful. It's nice. The 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 people that are on the campus and the spirit that they have. I mean, I, I've never seen it anywhere like it. I've, I've coached at some great schools, 
and I'm not saying that it would surpass all those schools in every part, but in school spirit, it's equal to, I mean, it's equal to everyone. And, and I've never seen anybody have more school spirit. I was at Tulsa as an assistant coach for coach self, and they have a very good basketball program. Tarleton's had a great basketball program throughout their, their history for the last 30, 30 some years. And, and uh, we were playing at the convention center downtown at Tulsa. And, you know, that had some great success under, you know, Tubby Smith, Nolan Richardson, Steve Robinson, and then Bill Self came in and, and we went to the elite eight, but, but they, they had to play in the convention center downtown, which was a good home court advantage, but it wasn't like what we built. We built an arena on campus and it held 8,300. And, and the time we were there a year and a half, we never had anything but sellouts and, and uh, only lost two games, last second shots, one to Sean Marion, and then another one to Fresno State. Uh, Demet Demetrius Porter made a last second shot to beat us. All games in the whack, as a matter of fact, we were all in the whack at the time. And, and uh, you know, but it, it changed everything. It changed the whole city of Tulsa, and it's a lot bigger than Stephenville. Uh, but it, it was a real, real game changer. And, and uh, this is going to be great. You know, this is going to have the ability to have fantastic concerts and, and uh, fantastic events and, you know, have graduation there and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be great. So we're really excited about it. So I have to ask you how Wisdom Gym is a tough place to play. Uh, I mean, you, you smoked Grand Canyon there. You smoked Utah Valley there last year. I think you lost two whack home games. Um, and I think those were your only two home games that you guys lost last year. How do you replicate that from what you have in Wisdom Gym now to a new event center? I mean, the fact that it's going to hold more people, obviously, than Wisdom Gym. But, like, how do you replicate that jumping from a new, from you know, uh, a facility that nobody really wants to play at because they know how difficult it is to a new facility that maybe people don't know much about, I guess you could say? Yeah, well, I mean, it's our job to, you know, with, with all the success that we've had here in Wisdom Gym, we lost two games last last year, and I feel like we should have won them both. All, no disrespect to the teams that beat us. They earned it, and they, they whipped us. But uh, we, we had – the year before, we had another great year at home as we developed into the Division One era. And and so it's, it's our job. So if you get a new arena that creates so much excitement, as good as the players that we've had before, we should continue to get better players. And then as you get better players, then you get more fans to come and watch you. And, and so it, it just, every, everything has to work together, but it's our job to fill the arena up. It's our job to, uh, you know, there's no way that it's just like every 99% of 22 year old players are better than 18 year old players. Not every one of them, but most of them are as far as being through the college basketball thing. It's just like uh, if we can get 7,500 fans instead of, 3,500 fans, that's double. And so you should have a greater uh, home court advantage. And uh, But the whole deal is going to be the challenge of filling it up, but we feel like we can do that. I want to I ask you about Shaq Daniel. He signed a pro contract this summer. How? What did he mean for you? Because he played for you a bunch of years, and he was just kind of your team leader. Like, What did he mean for you, and how excited are you to see him get that opportunity to play professional basketball? Yeah, that's what our goal is for every player that we recruit. Every single one of them, if they don't think they're going to be an NBA player, I really don't want them. Uh, you know, I want them to have that goal and that dream and and understanding that, you know, the work that it takes and the luck that it takes. And, and then no matter how lucky or 
or work, how hard you work. Some Most players aren't going to make it to that level. But if they can't make it to the NBA, we want them to be professional players if that's what they want to do. We want them to be a professional player with a degree. And so when that those playing days are over to come back into the real world and have a degree, some, something to not really fall back on to, to live by, and we don't call it fall, falling back, to having a degree and being able to use it's not really falling back. That's really stepping forward. And, and so, uh, but uh, we're, we're so excited for Shaq and Trey Gibson's another guy that just completed his career. He got, he graduated here last year uh, and he and Shaq are, are both playing professionally. Uh, we've had several players that have graduated here. Every single one of them actually, uh, you know, Javante Hopkins, who's going to complete his uh, playing career somewhere else, but he just, he just got his degree as well. And so really excited about those guys. We want to help them. Uh, become professionals. I've been lucky in my career to, to to coach or recruit 45 NBA guys and 156 uh, 156 pros, and so that means a lot to me. If they if they come here and play for us, and they don't get a chance to be a professional player if they want to, then I consider myself a failure. And so uh, they have to do the work, but we have to give them the guidance. And we're extremely proud of Shaq. He meant everything to us. You know, he he uh, he was our leader on offense. He was our leader on defense. He uh, handled so many things. He's like he's like 46 years old, I think. We used to kid him how old he was and everything. But uh, no, but he he was he was uh, wise beyond his years, and he he was a fantastic leader. And we're definitely going to miss him. I want to ask you about that when you talk about you know getting guys one their degree and and two helping them you know play professional basketball or get to the NBA. You know that goal. Does playing on big stages kind of go into that a little bit, or is it just we want to play the best because we want to be the best? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, I, I, I'm i at a point in my career, there's a lot of coaches that won't play anybody, and that's okay. I mean, when we first went to A&M, that's what they needed. And then when we first went to UTEP, that's what they needed because the programs are in really bad shape, and we needed to win a bunch of games, and, and it wasn't the toughest schedule in the world. And, and so – but that's what we needed to get the program going. This program's been winning for a long time, and it's a different day and age. And uh, we're, you know, we 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 need to play some games for financial reasons or whatever. Even though it's one of the richest schools I've ever been at, relatively speaking. And so, uh, but we like to play them. You know, all the there's not one player in our locker room that thinks that he's not better than anyone at uh, last year Arizona State or. Baylor or anybody that we played and, and uh, they think that they're just as good and all they need is the opportunity. And so we're going to provide the opportunity. We think it's been a major, major, major plus as far as everybody in the whole world knowing Carlton's division one. I. I think we've done so much for the school in that regard. And, and uh, I think that we've, we've done very well in the games that we've played against ex- extremely tough competition. And we're not playing the, the bottom tier teams in the, in the biggest, leagues we're playing the absolute tops Gonzaga's the Kansas the Baylor's the you know those kind of uh, teams I'm not trying to leave anyone out but but we we uh we're going to try to play the best we're going to we need to start winning some of those games we were able to beat Boston College last year uh, in a neutral core game we we've had many chances uh, to where we just didn't finish the game outright and and uh you know those are those are good teams that end up going into the NCAA tournament but you can't beat them unless you play them I'm not worried about my record or anything like that. Uh, we're, you know, we're trying to always have our team. It's always been our goal. 
no matter what our schedule is in the preseason, to be ready to play when conference time comes. And I think so far uh, we, we've done a very good job of that uh, here here at Tarleton as we've moved into Division One. Yeah, and you, you talked about that. You know, last year you get a, your first ever WAC tournament win, you know, against UTRGV. Uh, you were toe-to-toe with Utah Valley for maybe about a half, and then they kind of used their size a little bit to – but. And then you go into a, a national postseason tournament, CBI, and have that OT thriller. Like, just the steps that Tarleton's taking through this process. You're in year four of the transition. Um, you got basically one more year before you're set to be eligible for the NCAA tournament. Like, goals for this season and kind of taking that next step. Our goals are to start out as fast as we can and gradually increase our speed. That's that's what I used to tell our guys when we. We co- when I coached cross uh, cross country in high school, you know, start out as fast as you can and gradually increase your speed. That's about all I knew in that. But uh, we we go at it hard. We practice hard. We uh, we you know we we compete hard and we represent our school very well every single time. Our guys are great on and off the court. And as far as far as goals, it's always the same. You know, we're gonna try to play hard, play smart, play together. And and uh, that seems like three simple words. It sounds like a coach talk or whatever. But if you can do those things, play hard, play smart, play together, it's going to be an enjoyable situation for everyone involved, and it's going to give you the best chance to win. And uh, if you can do those three things, the byproduct of playing hard, playing smart, playing together, the byproduct is winning. And, and that's always the goal when you keep score. And so as we've progressed, you know, we we were able to beat everybody in the conference and, and not all of them in the same year, obviously, but uh, – it's been really kind of amazing. There's one team that we haven't beaten in our conference since we started, or two teams, I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get them this year. But uh, there's good teams. Our league was so good last year. I mean, it was fantastic last year. Uh, really good coaches, really good players, uh, good home court advantages, very hard to win on the road. It's a, it's the whack is, is really, I mentioned when we were at Tulsa, uh, we coached self. We went the elite eight. Should have gone to the final four, uh, and and uh, it was at that time they had eight teams, but they had had sixteen, including Utah, right. BYU, Hawaii, UNLV, all the, the whole Mountain West plus the WAC, TCU, SMU that are all in major conferences now, our so-called major conferences. They were all in one conference, and so uh, that was probably the heyday of the WAC, and and uh, and it's been a great basketball league for a long time. But this WAC is coming back. It, it's grown, It's really strong. You look at, uh, unfortunately, there were so many great players in the WAC last year. The teams are so good. And then some of these, because of the portal and because of NIL, uh, there's a lot of players that are not back in the WAC this year because they're playing at University of Illinois or Kansas or, you know, the, they're not playing at uh, Boise State. No, just, I love Boise State and I have great respect for them. You know what I'm saying. They're, yep, they're, going, yep. they're going to Cal. They're going to, you know, uh, the biggest college basketball places in the world. And, and so those, unfortunately, they're not going to be back in our league. But uh, it shows you what kind of players that we've had. And and everybody wants those players. And that, that, that really, it was difficult last year. I mean, it's been good the first two years. And then last year was really, really, really difficult from top to bottom. And I would assume that it's going to continue to get better year by year. Do you do you like the fact that this year it's back to kind of a normal conference schedule playing each other twice, or did you like kind of the mix and match of last season with the odd 
number of teams? Uh, I mean, 20 games is too much. I think any coach would say that. But but it's a lot better than than what we had last year. You know, there, there's not much way anyone could mess up. A, a, everybody, there's 11 teams. Everybody plays everybody twice, you know, home and home. And so that makes it a very, very even schedule. And, you know, there's there's no way that you could say, well, they had the advantage or, or we had the advantage or whatever. Last year, I, I thought left a, quite a bit to be desired as far as travel and, and uh, discrepancies and those kind of things. And and uh, but you just play them and as as they give them to you, just play them. But like this year, I mean, there's 20 games, even though I think, again, that's that's too many. But that's if I were making a schedule and you had 11 teams, that's exactly what I'd have done. So you got to play 20 games. It's so easy. And and uh, but uh, no, it, it'll be tough, you know. But I, I will I will favor being able to play everybody uh, home and home. Like last year, I really enjoyed only playing Grand Canyon once here, and then only playing Utah Valley once during the regular season. Uh, but I also didn't like to go to some of the places that we we had to go to their place only once. So you know how that is. Coach Coach yeah. Strawway won all home games. And, just play everybody at their place, nobody else on the road. Yeah, it's a scheduling's a very interesting dynamic in in college. Well, I want to say all sports, but even more so in college basketball with the net and so forth, and teams not wanting to or teams saying they need more home games. And uh, I get it, I respect it, but like you, sometimes you, we don't all get what we wish for, right? Like that's just the way it is. We're we're about to finish our schedule. I've never seen anything in my career as difficult as it has been for us this year, as far as trying to get games and home games are impossible. Just, just finding games. It, it's been the most impossible things uh, I have ever seen in my career. And, and uh, I don't really understand why, but, but, uh, and it's, it's been really tough this year. Well, you get, when you go toe to toe with power, or I want to say high major teams, we don't want to say power conferences anymore because we don't know that we have power conferences, but, you went toe to toe with Arizona State. You beat Boston College last year. You've gone toe to toe with Kansas, Gonzaga. Like you, you, people don't want to play you, Billy, because they know that there's a chance that Tarleton can pull off that upset win. Like the, you, yeah, well, I think you know that as a coach, right? Uh, I mean, we 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 know that we're going to go play them, and we're going to represent. You know, last last year Central Florida they beat us pretty good. Baylor did, but that, I believe that was more so because of injury than anything. Uh, but usually we're going to represent ourselves very well and, and uh, you know, represent and fight and be a tough, you know, be a tough game. But, you know, on, for the most part, we haven't won those games. And so I don't think any of those guys are really worried about us whipping them. Uh, they might want somebody that might be a little bit easier on that particular night. So sure. and they know they know that we're going to play hard. They know that we're going to we're going to, you know, get after it and. And uh, that's what we're trying to do, uh, take a big step against, you know, all teams. And, and uh, so we'll continue to do that, but I don't think there's anybody afraid of Tarleton. Oh, I know, I know. I just got to give you a hard time because, you know, you win a couple of those games, people aren't going to put Tar- Tarleton on the schedule. So uh, one last question for you here, Billy. After practice, maybe on the road when you're getting ready to – when you're waiting for the plane, go to snack when you, you go by a – gas station or a convenience store oh me yeah i, I think I, I i think i think i eat too much of all of it you know <laughs> so 
don't know. I'm not really much of a snack kind of guy. Really, really not. Uh, but I've, I've definitely eaten a lot of things in my life. Too many. But uh, not not much of a snack or sweets or any of those kind of things. But whatever hits you at that particular moment, you know, just sometimes you might have a taste for salt or sometimes you might have a taste for chocolate or you know what it is. Just yep. just from day to day, it's always a different situation. But yeah. I need to just stick with water and just keep moving. That's what I need. <laughs> to do. You and me both. You and me both. Billy Gillespie, head coach of the Tarleton men's basketball team. They're one year they're in their fourth year of the transition, so they have one more year to eligible for the NCAA tournament. Either way, Tarleton's going to make some noise. New facilities, growth, NIL, collective, everything, playing the big boys. Billy, appreciate the time on this WAC Wednesday. Hey, Kyle, thanks a lot, and, and th thanks for today, but also thanks for what you do for our league. It's it's an under-publicized league, and, the, again, the coaches are really good. The players are really good. The venues are really nice. The traditions are fantastic, and thank you for all you're doing. and And try to try to get some other guys and and some other help because uh, this team does uh, this league deserves as much exposure as it possibly can get. And that'll be the next step for us as we move forward as a league. But thank you for what you're doing. Absolutely, 100% agree with you. And we're working on that, getting other people. So uh, continue to we'll continue to bring coverage of this Western Athletic Conference. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Straight Out of Whack podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Whack Hoops Digest and Facebook under Wack Hoops Digest for all your Wack Hoops news and information.